This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Trot's Life. It's your Tuesday edition. It's not Mr. Jason Bonington today. He is having a week of annual leave today after what was a big effort uh, all round by HRV and uh, all involved with the media department on a big Inter-Dominion series. I've sort of been running parallel to them with the Country Cup series as I've been rolling around on the Sundays covering the Country Cups. And, uh, of course, on Sunday I was at stall for the Country Cups, uh, for their Country Cups, the uh, Trotters and Pacers Cups. And a couple of great wins too. Uh, Barry Beasley with Arch Leo was a terrific result. Uh, Jackie Barker came on and spent about 40 minutes with me on Trots Vision, which was absolutely terrific. Uh, If you missed it, uh, she went right back through... The race itself and, and talked to, talked us through the entire race replay, which was just terrific. And, of course, that horse, Barry wasn't really sure what was wrong with Arch Leo. He just was not right there for a period of time. Might have been as he grew or whatever it was. He gave him 12 months on the grass, as he described it, when he interviewed him actually at St. Arnold two weeks prior. And that uh, that year on the grass, he was the horse was just able to mature, I think. And oh, I got a funny feeling Arch Leo will go right up to the top echelon of horses over the next 12 months. I think, I don't think he's going to end up, you know, winning into the minions or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but I think he'll go right up into uh, almost free for all company, you know, get up to that sort of 90, 100 rating. I think he's going to be a very competitive horse over, over the coming years. Uh, And also, of course, the amazing story of Kowalski analysis, David Lewis came on and talked about how the horse, the bacteria in the horse, uh, he kept getting sick, getting sick, getting sick, and he was on antibiotics. And, of course, antibiotics kills both uh, good bacteria and bad bacteria. So it was killing all the bacteria in him, and he just could not get healthy, this horse. And he came across this revolutionary treatment through his wife, who is a vet, to get the uh, feces of a healthy horse, strain it through water, and then tube that water down into the horse which then allows the good bacteria from that feces to grow inside that horse and give him some good bacteria. And that treatment turned the horse around. And uh, great to see him win the Stall Cup. It was not the most exciting race of all time. There was about six sit sprinters in the race. And Kowalski Analysis uh, was leading with those six sit, six sit sprinters behind him. No one really made any moves. And what do you do? He, he, he just meandered around for a lap and a half. And then uh, Glenn Craven said, go at about the 800 and, and no one had a chance. Uh, it was a good win by uh, Kowalski analysis in the Stall Cup. Inter-Dominion results were terrific. Uh, it was pegs dominated the paces and just believe was just outstanding in the trotters coming around three wide. 
guest today. So the first half of the show will be a bit of an inter-dominion focus. And I wanted to get some different guests on associated with these horses. So uh, Sean Daly, I'm not sure if he bred I Cast No Shadow. He certainly, I've got a funny feeling, and we'll find out obviously when we talk to him, that he might have bought the mare in foal from the late Bob McArdle. Uh, might have been even after Bob passed, but I think he bought the mare in foal. So it's not actually down. He's not actually down as the official breeder of I Cast No Shadow, but um, he's had the mare and sold uh, yearlings from the mare since. Uh, Regazzo Mac and Regazza Line and Regazzo Major. And uh, now he's got another one in next year's uh, NZB sales as well. So we'll catch up with Sean and a little bit about I Cast No Shadow and in his early career in New Zealand as well. Uh, and then uh, how he came about selling him, of course, and uh, what sort of a dynasty, a breeding dynasty he's going to build now. He's got a foundation mare, I suppose, in Regazza Bromac. Uh, Regazza means uh, girl and Regazzo boy in Italian or or lad or lady or however you want to, whatever trans translation you want to go with. And he's sort of sticking with that theme too. They all seem to be Regazzas or Regazzos, depending on whether they're fillies or cult. So we'll catch up with Sean uh, very shortly, actually, at about quarter past 11. Then uh, Brad Walters will join us as well. He, of course, is a part owner in uh, Just Believe. And we'll go through the story of Just Believe in depth with Brad. And Brad's, uh, I think he's a pretty avid listener of the show, or he's uh, certainly led us, he led us into a beautiful story last year, the story of uh, Norm's lady. Uh, if you remember, Fiona came on and, and told about uh, Norm who'd passed away who the horse was named after. He always wanted to get a good horse and uh, he passed away when the horse was a yearling and Norm's lady was uh, named after him. Uh, Brad was actually the one that uh, gave me the heads up on that story, which was, I love getting those heads up on those stories because it's the only way we can find out about them if people tell us about them. So we'll have Brad on about uh, the great Just Believe who's run third in an Inter-Dominion final last year. And then going a couple better this year and winning the race. Great result for him. Been a beautiful horse for a long time. He didn't race as a two-year-old, which is uh, of interest to me as well. Find out about that. He did have a double as a trainer too, Brad. Uh, in the second hour, we'll turn our focus a little bit towards Cranbourne on Saturday night. We've got John McLean on, which many will know and some won't. But you might have heard of some of the horses he had in Rivoli Jack, Bronski Beat, who were great horses. But there's a mare that he's trained. Probably a better horse now, Larrakia Lady. She only won a four-year-old Vic Bread size. Well, I we'll say only one. She won a four-year-old Vic Bread size. She didn't quite measure up to races like uh, Miracle Miles that uh, Rivoli Jack did. But, boy, she's been some kind of a broodmare, Larrakia Lady. And uh, John's continued his affiliation with that mare and, and all the progeny as well. Even though he's been off the scene seemingly as a trainer for a long time, he's stayed involved. So we'll catch up with John. And uh, he's got one or two stories, which he, if he regales us with them, uh, they're pretty interesting stories. Uh, not sure we can open some insurance inquiries back up from uh, races in the early to mid-1980s. <laughs> I don't think we'll go down that path. And also Tony Zeria, who won a Cranbourne Cup with all for one. It was his biggest win. 
We had a bit about Tony a, a year ago when he uh, was battling uh, prostate cancer. And it'd be good to catch up with Tony, find out where he's at with prostate cancer. And we'll, we'll go down that memory of when he when he had, a, I think, an 11-year-old all for one go around at $58 in a Cranbourne Cup. He jumped to the front with B Gath on board, uh, handed up, and was able to sprint lane through and win, uh, which was Tony's uh, greatest result as our attention this week will wind up towards the Cranbourne Cup on Saturday night. I was there yesterday. Uh, the place just looks magnificent, although there was a few showers of rain come across, but hopefully we get nice, fine weather on Saturday night. Let's take our first break of the show, and we'll come back with Sean Daly. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back. Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon today, otherwise known as Wombat. Now, on a Wednesday, I'm joined every week by Garrick Knight. Uh, and I noticed a tweet from Garrick Saturday night uh, praising at Shaven Daily about breeding uh, the winner of the Inter-Dominion. I cast no shadow and thought, well, this will be an interesting chat. If he's mates with Garrick, uh, God knows uh, what we could get from him. Sean Daly is there. Sean, mate, uh, firstly, do you want to clear up uh, whether you are friends with Garrick or not? Yeah, no, I've been mates with Garrick for uh, for a while. Played a bit of cricket with him when I was living in Auckland. So um, I'd have to say his uh, cricketing ability is really does make him look like a good harness racing commentator. <laughs> I like that. A clip straight off. A little clip through fine legs straight away. That uh, gets Garrick there. Now, we're going to get along terrifically, I think, mate. Now, take us through Saturday night. Obviously, you would have watched the Inter-Dominion with, uh, I, I suppose, strong emotions and mixed emotions at the same time. Be a pretty big thrill to be a part of uh, selling a horse. Of course, I cast no shadow winning an Inter-Dominion. Yeah, it was a pretty nerve-wracking day. Um, yeah, just sort of sat there. But we were at actually um, Amber Letherby's uh, 40th birthday party. Yeah. And I was just sitting there on the couch, not saying much for a lot of the party. Um, there were a few guys there big, that were big fans of um, Bundoran. It used to be at Amber Letherby's, and they were all talking up Bundoran and everything like that. Yeah. And I uh, didn't realise that I had bridged Cast No Shadow. I just sat there quietly till uh, we got into the home straight. And then you kicked up the inside and uh, got the chocolates. Were you jumping up and down for joy? Yeah, I, yeah, I gave it a fair shake. Um, <laughs> about, about a mile out, I thought this has actually worked out really good. We yeah. passed up to the right horse. The race has been um, run at the at the right speed for us. He's not going to pass up to anyone now, and it's just whether we're uh, whether he's whether Jason Grimson's got him got him spot on. And uh, as we found out, he was. Yeah, correct. It was up to that, wasn't it? It was it was always going to become pegs dominated and Acknow was going to be too strong a win or or Cast No Shadow was really the main danger on his back. And yeah, Jason, amazing training performance really to have him absolutely spot on. He seems to be able to just get him right on the right night, doesn't he? Or the right day. Even Majestic Cruiser in the New Zealand Cup was in a stellar performance. Oh, absolutely. What Majestic Cruiser did over here in that week with those oh. two seconds. I mean, that was, that was outstanding. We were we were a little bit disappointed that uh, Cast No Shadow didn't come across with him mm. for the New Zealand Cup, obviously being Kiwis. We would have loved to have seen that. But he, he won that Len Smith mile that week 
um, after uh, that week before, and we were, we were more we thought we thought Cast No Shadow might might if he was lucky win a one group one one day, yeah. and he did that. We were we were happy. We were very happy with that. But to go on and take out the Interdoms, the the second race any Kiwi wants to win, uh, yep, it's yep. just it's just a dream come true. So when did this dream start, mate? Uh, like Bob McArdle had the mare, Regatza Bromac, and I think he's actually listed down as breeding cast no shadow. Did you buy the mare in foal or something? No, so um, we've been grazing a few horses for Bob, and uh, we actually had um, a couple of foals die as a fr- um, to righteous Hanover, and as a free return, he gave us... Um, he gave us a, a Rob Roy McGregor service and lent us the mare at okay. that time. Yep, yep. And we bred the first four foals out of her and uh, then ended up purchasing the mare off his estate. But um, we just never did the paperwork because, uh, you know, Bob was a mate and that was all good. Yep, so yep. that's why his name's on it. And um, to be honest, we, we uh, think that's a fitting tribute to Bob, yeah. how good he'd been to us and uh, what he'd done for the industry that his name's still there. And, uh, yeah, it's no problem for us at all. And he had a great friendship with Di Riley too uh, through the years who ended up buying the horse. That's correct. That's correct. And um, and that's really continued on for us. We've had a lovely time um, being associated with um, Diane. Um, I, w- I went over for the uh, Blacks of Fate night in uh, Brisbane, saw Shadow Run there. That's where I first met Diane. And um, a very special thing for mum and dad was Diane coming in, having a cup of tea with her, with them on the on her way up to Kaikoura when she was over here on holiday for the Kaikoura Cup, and uh, that's what harness racing is all about for us. To yeah. um, mum and dad love meeting her and having a cup of tea and showing her around the farm. It was great. So there's a special day too. Yeah, what be- that's beautiful, isn't it? That it's brought you all together. Like you're still a part of it, aren't you? You still feel very much a part of it, no doubt. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely, absolutely. And uh, to build a friendship with Diane, that 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 yeah, that's just been another bonus. So take us through the early days with, uh, he was called Cast No Shadow then, with Cast No Shadow in New Zealand. Like, did you guys break him in or did you put him through the yearling sales? Like, how did, how did, I, I realised you kept him. So what happened with all that as, as a young horse? Yeah, so um, we, we, um, yeah, we, we took him to the yearling sales. Um, he was a bit light on it. Um, we took him to the yearling sales. He didn't get a single bid at the yearling sales. <laughs> Not a single bid, yeah. Not a single bid. So we uh, we took him home. Um, got a friend of mine, Terry Schmuel, to break him in. Then uh, we've got an association with with Graham and Paul Court in Christchurch. Yep. And they um, they trained him for us, and we won we won eight with him. Um, and he won as a two year old, which was a which was a big buzz. Uh, first, that was my first ever two year old winner. And um, then, uh, yeah, won eight for us, including the Amberley Cup. Amberley's a wee uh, uh, North Canterbury Trotting Club just down the road from Cheviot. We're, we're, we're members of the Cheviot Trotting Club, so it, was, it wasn't the Cheviot Cup, but it was um, the next best thing for us at the time, the Amberley Cup. That was, a, that was a very good day for us. And then he sort of reached his mark in New Zealand, and we decided the best thing was to um, send him to Aussie where he could, he could probably do a bit more for the breed over there. Yeah, so there's a bit bit to the breeding side of it for you, isn't it? I think it is would it be as regards to Bromac almost become a foundation mare for you? Oh, oh absolutely. Um, you know, she's she left um she left um RR Sandollar who did very well. She left Regazzo Mac who 
who won the uh, Southern Supremacy here and was sold to Australia and went to Perth for big money. So we, we, after um, Sand Dollar, we knew we had a pretty good mare. And now what, with what Shadow's done, um, yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she's uh, top of the tree on the farm at the moment. And why a shadow play? Like uh, you hadn't gone to him yet. He he had a bit of a mixture in the first few years. But why were why did you choose shadow play as the stallion? So um, he had been going all right in the states. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a huge amount of money on stud fees. Mm. Um, so you know, and he'd been going all right in the states. And I liked him because he uh, won the little brown jug. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a bit of a theory that the little brown jug winners quite often make good stallions in the summer southern hemisphere um, and in New Zealand. Their um, toughness, uh, endurance, and able to handle a half-mile track seems to put them in good stead for New Zealand racing. So that was the other reason I went to uh, shadow play at the right price. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. World champion half-mile track horse he is. He's now at uh, Blue Chip Farms. He's not in Australia, but... With Turret Saint running second and, and a lot of good horses. Sire of a lot of really good horses and now, of course, one champion. But he's sort of starting to really make his mark. There's a little horse called Bulldog Hanover goes okay in America as well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just about fell off my chair. I thought my, I thought my mate my mate texted me. A shadow player just ran 150, was it 154 um, in America, and I thought he was having me on because he, he knows how I go on about shadow plays. But, yeah, just amazing that the uh, two champions in, uh, on, on each side of the world. I think you meant 145.4, but... Uh... Sorry, 145.4, one, <laughs> one yes. Pretty... Don't even, I can't even think about 145.4. It's just unfathomable, yeah. isn't it? It is. So you've bred on with her, though. You've gone to Art Major three times in a row, regards to Bromac, and you're selling them through the yearling sales? Yeah, so we've got we've got a... Um, our theory so far has been sell the Colts and keep the fillies for racing uh, ourselves. Uh, mm. We're in the position we're lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, so that's the theory so far. And, um, yeah, so we've got a half-brother in the, in the uh, Christchurch yearling sales this year. Yeah, which hopefully uh, fetches strong money for you. You've got 60 and 56 so far for the first two Colts. And as you said, Regazzo, Bromax, uh, Regazzo Max proved a really nice horse. And then, uh, well, Regazzo Major we haven't seen yet. And this one's called Regazzo Art. Yep, correct. Yeah, Reg- Regazzo Major's going very well at Crandall Geddes. He's, um, you know, they, they've, um, Diane Riley bought him. Um, oh, did she? And, <laughs> yeah, she did. Um so Shadow ran, he broke the 150 mark for the first time the night before he was sold. Um, and then Diane rocked up and bought him. That was a bit of, that, that was in itself was an amazing buzz for us, breaking the 150 barrier for the first time yeah. um, with, with a horse with bread. And then so she bought him, and he's, um, he's a big, tall, leggy fella, but um, doesn't put a foot wrong apparently in training. And um, Cran and Carter really like him, and he's a bit of a. Um, Bit of a stable pet, um, lovely horse to work with. They call him Nemo. So, fingers crossed, he he uh, steps up as well. Yeah, 100%. And, mate, you might have to have a chat to Di about uh, Regazzo Art in next year's sales and uh, see if you can keep involved with it. It would be great to see you own, own the horse with her or something. That would be something pretty special. Yeah, well, I, I said to Di, I said, look, I'm, I, it's up to her. If she wants to buy it, that's fine. Um, doesn't worry me whether she buys them or not. Just don't let them go cheap.
Yeah, yeah, just don't let him go cheap. He says as he because he's going to be the one. So funny, a vendor. I've never heard a vendor say don't let it sell cheap. Oh, that's that's new to me. Huh. <laughs> and mate, is are you called Pinelee Farm? Is that right? Yeah, that's Graham Court's breeding establishment that he ah, runs next okay. to Harcourt Lodge. Yeah, yep. okay, because so, that, that bobbed yep. up a few times. And you do all this with your father, Emmett, as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, mum's um, uncle and father were into into their horses um, way back in the day. They had they had a world champion called um, Barley Bree back in the early 70s. Yeah, okay. um, they topped the They topped the yearling sales in 1984 with a cult called Gamblin Fella. For forty thousand in 1984, who went to Australia and did absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. So they've always had an interest, and that's really where it's all come from. And you know, Dad's working hard on the farm, and now that I've got a job and earning a bit of money, I I pay the stud fees, and Dad does the grazing, and uh, we we go down, split it down the middle if we make any money. Hundred percent. That sounds wonderful, mate. Great to uh, catch up with you and find out a bit about our cast no shadow and. Uh, congratulations on the journey you've been through with the horse. And I love that story, Di O'Reilly, uh, that uh, you're still good friends with her and and you've almost done it together from the start. No, it's been great. She deserves every success she's had with that horse. She's made some tough calls with him. Mm. And she got him to Menangle, got him to the got him to Jason. And, uh, you know, so, she, yeah, no, we couldn't be happier. We, we're quite happy to sell her another one. Yeah, 100%. Good on you, Sean. Uh, look forward to... Next time you're in Australia, we'll have to catch up. I was up there at Black's a Fake Night, but obviously you might have been the only person I didn't have a beer with that night, unfortunately. That's all right. No, absolutely, Toby. Looking forward to catch, catching up someday. Good on you, Sean. There is Sean Daly, the breeder of I Cast No Shadow. And isn't that a wonderful story? And just shows, as he said, that's what harness racing's about, creating connections and friendships and relationships with people and uh, there's a young bloke who's, I think, I don't, he does only sounds like he's about 30 odd and, and he's made a friendship with, uh, Di, Diane Rowe and I will not give away Diane's age, but she's been owning and racing horses in harness racing for 60 years. I know she looks a lot younger. If you've seen her on uh, some coverage or social media, she looks a lot younger than what she probably is. Uh, still a big show still to come. We have got Brad Walters coming up in the next half an hour. He didn't quite breed uh, the winner, Just Believe, but he is in the ownership group of Just Believe, who uh, took out the trotters into Dominion. First, though, let's take to the news, the 11.30 news, uh, as we continue on your Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of the pouring. Welcome back. It's Trot's Life, and we're walking through a Tuesday edition. It's Toby McKinnon in the chair today. Shortly, we'll have uh, Brad Walters in the next segment. But I did have a couple of tips for today 
few of them, there's a couple on Keenon at Shepparton and one at Mildura. So kicking off at Mildura tonight, race nine, number five, Yering Soho. It is my brother's horse, this horse. So you might accuse me of being uh, a little biased here, but she does have a little bit of gate speed. And I just wonder if Luke Watson, and I haven't spoken to my brother or Luke, but whether they can get across tonight, whether they light her up and get across to get to the front and get to the pegs, and that'll put her right in this race. It's only a field of seven. She beat Tarifa Girl three starts back for Naomi Kerr. Uh, she's capable of doing that again. She's $13 and four twenty. I think she's worth a little interest in the last at uh, Bendigo. You know, if I was doing a a uh, $200 game plan, you'd have sort of, say, 25 each way on Yering Soho. At Shepparton tonight, uh, one at value and one, I think, is just an eye on certainty. So if you're playing any... Uh, if you're putting any multis together today, at Shep tonight, race six, number two, perfect in pink, was absolutely next level good at Melton last start. She is ladies in red's sister at a couple of Karen B. She draws gate two. She's a dollar twenty-two. Yes, I know she's a dollar twenty-two, but she's great for a multi. So if you're having a bit of a multi today around a couple of gallopers, uh, chucking perfect in pink. I thought she was, I was so impressed with her last start. In fact, if I was tipping a horse for the series, she'd be the one. If I'm tipping you who the best three-year-old filly will be next year, I would say perfect in pink. And in race seven tonight, a horse I've got a bit of time for. It's only had the two starts for two six. Nancy Kay, owned by Adam Kelly. Uh, it had one start for Adam some time ago, and, and it was a funny old race where you can put a line through Ren 6. Had a spell, trialled for Adam a couple of months ago. Now it's in the care of Andy Gaff. It went to Maryborough to Humble Tonian Day where uh, it settled about three back the outside, and they absolutely, absolutely rock and rolled on home at uh, in that race at Maryborough. I'll tell you, I'll just get the times up. They came home in 28-3, 27-4. She was beaten 14 metres, but she was probably 14 metres off the leader, Sweet Bella. And uh, she went absolutely terrific, I'm telling you, Nancy Kay. She went really good. She didn't lose any ground. She didn't make any ground, but she was wide on the track. She came from four back the outside, in fact, it was. And she goes around tonight at $61 and $6. I wonder if she's got an... I think she's got the gate speed to cross, nothing but waves. She'll put herself on the market pegs. And she is a great chance of upsetting them tonight. I know Joyful is the favourite. It probably works to the front. She'll hand up to Joyful most likely. And if she does that, Nancy Kay, she's a great, great place bet at $6. Uh, so if if I was putting together a $200 game plan, I'd sort of have maybe uh, perfect in pink's a bit different. I wouldn't include that in the game plan at all, 22. I'd have 50 by 100 on Nancy Kay. I think she's a wonderful bet tonight of uh, running a place at least behind Joyful. They'll run slow in the middle stages. They'll absolutely dash home. Whether she can get up the inside and beat Joyful or come to its outside, I doubt. But for the place, at $6. Huge overs, Nancy Kay, tonight at Shepparton, uh, race seven, number two. Let's get a break away, and then we'll come back the other side with Brad Walters. And I'm keen to hear a bit more on the story of Just Believe. 
You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon today. And it is a long way to the top, but every so often you just make it there. And Brad Walters is on the line. Brad, firstly, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm actually at Mick Hughes' place looking after the horses for a couple of days while he's away. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting because this will open up. Uh, we've got a few directions we'll probably go in this stuff, <laughs> starting with yourself, right? So tell us a little bit about your background. And I don't think you're related to all the other Walters in harness racing. No, I'm not. I'm not related to all the other Walters, but uh, I know there's a few of them. I do get the odd call to drive in Tasmania every now and then. <laughs> um, but no, I've been in harness racing since I left school. Sort of didn't know what direction to go and I went through the... Um, harness Centre uh, in Warrigal with Des Hughes. Yep. Um, and from there, I've, I've worked with a few trainers. I had to go over in Western Australia with Bob Malsop for a little bit. Um, come back over here. I worked with Bill and Ian Anderson at Lauriston, um, Dara Donaldson over in Bendigo, and then I come and worked for Mick until he shut down uh, this year. Yeah, okay. And you had a little dabble in harness racing as well, and I think that uh, was that predominantly with Mick? You've had a, you're the three horses, and, and I think Petite Love was your horse and has been for some time? Yeah, Petite Love was mine. Um, I had a little go on my own before I was at Mick's, but it sort of that's when it really, I guess, took over. Um, that's when I started to understand what I was doing, and, and Mick was a big help with getting uh, Petite Love going for me and helping me out, and I managed to win a race with her um, on my own, and and then Mick took over the training for me after that. Right. So what what do you do now? Are you you're full. You're not full time with the horses. I don't. I assume not. But you may be. No, I'm not. I um, I decided to try my hand at something different, and I now work at the Warrigal Greyhounds, just sort of track um track managing and and ground maintenance and things like that. Oh, okay. Oh, very good, mate. I was uh, driving on a greyhound track yesterday at Cranbourne, and I tell you what, uh, it hasn't been touched for a long time, and it's getting very soft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one needs a bit of work, but the Warrigal one's flying. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. Now, all right, t- tell us now, nextly, the I Own a Trotter Syndicate. Uh, it's a name that I've seen on a number of horses, predominantly with Mick Hughes. Yeah, so um, Des, Des Hughes set it up, Mick's dad set it up uh, a few years ago and just believe and petite love were the first two horses yeah. um, to my knowledge that they had through it. Um, and that's how I ended up getting petite love was through the syndicate. And um, they've, yeah, they've just been extremely lucky with horses. Thanks <laughs> largely to Pat Driscoll and Yabby Dams gives them good horses and there's so many people in it and they all really love their racing and they, they all love the horses too. So was uh, Just Belief purchased from Yabby Dam Farms or through the sales or was, was he leased or how did that come about? Yeah, so he, he's leased through Yabby Dam and, and Pat's been really good. Every time we've asked him for a horse, he's found one and we only lease them at the moment, but um, we've 
we've brought another couple through a different syndicate, which is similar people, but um, just believe is least. Is that the Wells family group? Yeah, the Wells family group. Um, Lindsay is the manager, Malcolm. Um, and, yeah, he, he deals with Pat mostly, but, yeah, we've had a lot of luck. So he didn't race as a two-year-old, just believe? No, he didn't race as a two-year-old. He um, he was a, a slow maturer, um, as you can see. He's six years old and he's just starting to hit his straps now. Yeah. Um, but Mick always knew that there was something in there um, from very early on, and that's why he took his time. He didn't want to rush him and just looked after him. Then as a three-year-old, he came out. Do you remember who he ran second to at his very first start? No, I don't. Nephew of Sunoco. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And then he had a, eight starts as a three-year-old. He won the one race. He he ran three placings, and he and he got into a Breeders' Crown final, but had no luck. He got checked there. It was a pretty strong Breeders' Crown final. There was four into Dominion finalists in it. So uh, he had a relatively good three-year-old season without, but again, he was obviously still maturing. He was still maturing, and... Um, his three-year-old season probably does go a little bit unnoticed. He did win a Group 3, albeit um, returned the positive swap to Arsenic. So it, it doesn't show on his record. But Yeah, okay. He, um, he was, a quality, was a quality horse from early on. Yep. Um, and and we, we enjoyed racing him back then, yeah. It was that four-year-old season where he went, I think, to another level, though. He had the 15 starts, six wins. He belted his way through the classes there over a period of time, winning four straight. And then at the end of the year, he ran fourth in a in a Vic Bread final. And again, it was a very, very strong Vic Bread final. Yeah, that's right. He, um, I remember he just kept he just kept going around and going around. And, at, yeah, for a while there, we were thinking, gee, like he could be anything here. And hmm. he probably did just sort of reach the end of the season. Um, probably was feeling himself a little bit by then, but yeah, by that by that point we knew we had a good horse. He did have a good horse, and I suppose he's probably a year behind still in a sense. So I know he was a four-year-old that year, but it was probably like his three-year-old season in a sense. And then the next year, I know he's a five-year-old, but it was almost like he was a four-year-old, and he ran some great races, fourth in the Doard Cup to Majestic Man and Sundon Courage and Majestuoso. He made a great Southern Star final after running fifth in a heat. And then by the end of the year, uh, well, well, we'll talk about that a bit more, but uh, he, he went up to the Inter-Dominion. And I, I guess, again, just going back to it, he, he was sort of like a four-year-old and really emerging into open age ranks this season. Yeah, that's right. He was just, um, with every little bit of racing we were putting into him, he was just getting slowly better and better. And I, I think the Inter-Dominion series last year probably probably made him into the horse that he is at the moment because he, he learned that resilience and we always knew he was a tough horse and I think he started to feel better throughout the series. I think if you look at the each heat and then the final, he got better through the series. Yeah. And I think that's largely um, how he became the horse that he is today. Yeah, I, he did. Uh, that series last year in 2021 where he, he ran 7th, 2nd and 3rd through the series and then 3rd in the final from 3 back the marker pegs and he did just get better and better throughout the series, didn't he? He did and, and I know he probably had an easy run. He, he drew 1 in the final last year and, you know, just had a peg run the whole time but, you know, over, uh, I can't remember if it was 3,000 or 3,200 or 
whatever the distance was in the final, I think if you watch the replay, he's making ground up at the end. He's still running on. And that's always been his, his attribute. He can just keep running. Yeah. He, he sort of never feels like he's tired. And it's almost the longer the race, the better he'll be. Now, we, we all sort of know Mick Hughes has got out of harness racing and uh, the horse had to go somewhere. And how did you come up with Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars? Um, well, it wasn't wasn't an easy decision. Um, <laughs> we had a, a had a few trainers that we sort of thought about, but I know uh, Mick's had a good relationship with Greg, um, driving some of his trotters, cruising around and um, Gates' alley and and things like that. And he's just he's he's got the patience and everything that you need to drive a trotter. Mm. Um, and with such a large syndicate of owners as well. We had to find someone that we we knew would be able to do the job. So, Greg suge- uh, Mick suggested Jess and Greg, um, and we we were more than happy to go with it. He's bounced back. Yeah, he comes back late this year, and he wins the Shep Cup, Kilmore Cup, and I was actually exchanging. I don't know whether you saw on Twitter or not, but I was I was advocating for three heats and. I had a little uh, running leaderboard on where horses were ranked and Greg was texting me, where am I now on those rankings? I've got to get him in this into Dominion. And uh, he finally got qualified and uh, <laughs> I sent a message to Greg and said, you're in the top 24 now, you're right. Was that the aim, the into Dominion again? Yeah, yeah. And I remember after he won the um, Shep Cup, we went down to the stables and we were talking to Greg afterwards and he said, look, He's still going to make it yet based on his rating points. He's actually a mm. fair way off. So, mm. um, yeah, that, that was always the goal for him. And, um, yeah, well, we were certainly glad once um, we started to rack up some points and we were eligible. Yeah, 100%. And what was it like going through the series, winning all three heats? Did you feel a, a bit of pressure with him almost going into a final? But then I suppose the barrier draw then probably what relieved that pressure in a sense. Yeah, well, I um I picked out the barrier, unfortunately, so that that took a lot of stress away from everyone. <laughs> yeah. But um, the it was it was funny. It was my sort. It's my first foray into owning a horse that I haven't that I'm not working with every day. So sort of not knowing how they're going at home and everything, it was quite stressful for me. Everyone else was having a bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, no, as the series went on, you could see you, we got slightly more and more confident. Um, the barrier draw certainly didn't help, but at the same time, it probably took a target off our back a little bit. Um, you know, you go through the series undefeated, people are looking at you, and you draw 12, and maybe they're not looking at you as much. Yeah. So. What's next for Just Believe? Um, well, we'll leave that up to Greg. He'll he'll know um, how he's going at home, but I know there's a couple of big races, the Great Southern Star and the Trotting Grand Prix, and February, so yeah. Um, if he thinks he's he's capable of going through them, um, we'll head there. Otherwise, if he wants a bit more of a break, I'm sure Greg will do the right thing. How did you celebrate Saturday night? Uh, it was a long night. I can tell you <laughs> that. Um, Sunday morning as well was was quite long, but um, no, it, it was worth it. <laughs> What a, what a great result for Warrigal. Like, Des is the manager of the trotting club down there and, and you're working at the Greyhound Club. What a great little result that is for the Warrigal Centre. 
Yeah, that's right. And it's a, it's an Australia-wide thing because I know the Tamworth, there's a group from Tamworth. They came down from Tamworth for the final and um, they've taken the rug up there to display at the Harness Club up there. So, it's, um, yeah, nationwide celebrations. 100%. Good on you, Brad. Thanks for uh, joining us today and uh, thanks for your little contribution too with uh, Fiona Kerr back in back. Uh, oh, that was earlier this year, sometime too, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. Thanks for having me on. There is Brad Walters, winning owner of Just Believe. And uh, what a great syndicate they have been. And what a great story with Just Believe. And so much kudos has to go to Mick Hughes in all of this. He didn't race him as a two-year-old. Took his time with him. He, he's always looked after the horse so well. And he's matured into such a beautiful, strong horse as a six-year-old, which over many, many years, that's how sort of trotters worked, didn't they? They didn't race a lot as two- and three-year-olds. And it was... Not till they were five, six, seven, eight, nine, they were probably at their best over time. And maybe Just Believe is, is a little bit of a throwback to that. And we'll see the best of him over the next three years as no doubt he's uh, Australasia's best trotter at the moment. So, or, well, Sunday's son or him, whichever one you want to choose. Or, unfortunately, Bolt for Brilliance was in that conversation, but he'll be away for some time now. Let's get our last break away for the hour. Big second hour still to come. We'll turn our attention to the Cranbourne Cup, but we'll go back before we go forward and we'll catch up with John McLean, who trained Rivoli Jack to win a Cranbourne Cup, and Tony Zeria, who trained all for one. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back. I've jumped in the chair for Jay Bond. Patrick says, what a treat Tuesday with Tobes. Not sure about that, uh, Pat. Uh, we Jason's had a big few weeks and structure of the show works beautifully, I think. We get the Monday uh, Metrospective Review Show with uh, Jason and C- Stephen Cleave and Tuesday with Bond where uh, it's wild and woolly and you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Wednesdays with Wombat. Thursday is now moving day where we turn our attention to Thursday night and then Friday we get back to Jason Bonington doing what he does best in a form preview with the great Dan Malecki. We're at the top of the hour. Next hour, though, we turn our attention to the Cranbourne Cup on Saturday night, but we're going to go back before we go forward. John McLean, trainer and legend horse, Rivoli Jack, and Tony Zeria, the X-Man who won with All for One back in 2002. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back. No Jay Bond, Toby McKinnon in the chair. And with Cranbourne Cup on Saturday night, I thought we'd we'd look back at a couple of past winners and I've got John McLean on the line. John, mate, firstly, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, good morning, Toby. And uh, I've lived at Shepparton now for about the last eight years. I have a small property up here. And uh, time goes so fast, it's... 55 years since I drove my first winner, so it's a lifetime, isn't it? Who was that first winner, mate? Yeah, oh, I dear. think it was called 
frosty way at the old Shepparton trotting track. Yeah, okay. So we I've got you down in 69. So what were you, 14 years of age? Yep. They let you drive when you were 14 then, yeah. Wow. So were you, was your dad a trainer or what got you into well, harness racing? Yeah, my, my dad was a trainer before me and uh, quite successful. And around, he was good friends with uh, Shins and Wilsons. And we all grew up at the showgrounds. And uh, I drove winners at the showgrounds, so... Time goes on, doesn't it? So there you go. Seen some wonderful horses in my lifetime. So, Probably Mary's Idol's the best one. Yeah, yeah. Everyone says it. Yeah. He never won an Inter Dominion though, and neither did Poppy or Arm, who they say was the best pace. Was he the best pacer you saw? Uh, he was pretty good, Popular Arm. Yeah, I should have won a heat of an Inter Dominion, but in Perth, I uh, seen the winning post down the back straight and run the run the back straight in 26 seconds on Rivoli Jack, and of course he got tired. <laughs> yeah, of course he got tired. So, yeah. uh, so you're going to blame yourself? You're going to blame yourself for, for that one? We call that pilot error, so that's probably the reason why <laughs> I didn't drive as often. I'll let Gavin Lang drive most of the horses. Yeah, 100%. You did have some great drivers for you back then, and I think, John, you might have seen the best of harness racing, like, seriously, from... From the late 60s through to sort of 1990, I think that well, they were really the halcyon days, the glory years, weren't they? Well, they were wonderful days. I mean, back in the day, they used to say if you won a race at the showgrounds, you'd get enough money to buy a new Holden car. Yeah. Now you have to win four races at Melton to buy a new Holden car. So, unfortunately, the the prize money hasn't gone with the times, but it seems to be improving. I went to the trots on Saturday night. It was a wonderful night and a great experience. Yeah, so it's all. I think the trotting's all moving forward, and the, the training certainly changed a lot. I have a fair bit to do with uh, Clayton and Emma, yep, Donkin and Stewart, and wonderful dedicated trainers. They deserve all the success they get. They're there seven days a week, and you know if you walk in the barn, there's 120 horses, and uh, Clayton and Emma will know every horse. So yep. whatever success they get, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a jealous sport where people are bitchy about what people do and do but I think out of the horses you only get out of them what you put into them yeah 100% and oh, you, you alluded to uh, buying a car and I think it's a great cross reference to Rivley Jack and I reckon he probably announced himself on the scene as a three year old mate when he beat a horse who was odds on favourite for Vinnie Knight called Smooth Falcon yeah he beat Smooth Falcon fair and square one night at Mooney Valley he sat behind him and uh Probably as we talk further, you'll realise that I've been a gambler all my life. And uh, <laughs> uh, I did remember having $2,000 on him that night that he beat Smooth Falcon. At 7 or 1? Yeah. Wow. 14 grand in, 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 this is 1986 we're talking. That would have gone a little ways. Oh, well, not really. We were spoiled kids when we grew up at the showgrounds. Our, mm. Grew up with Frank Shin and kids, Gerald and Stephen Shin, and our dad used to we were 12 and 14 years old and the bookmakers used to let us bet with them because they knew if we were backing something that was supposed to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd lose the pound and we'd go back and we'd say to our dads, we lost that pound, so then they give you five pounds. So, and you'd lose that five pound, you'd go back and say, I lost that, so they give you 10 pounds. So no wonder we grew up to have no value for money. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Take Take us through. Take us through when he won the uh, Sire Stakes in 1986 and beat another horse of yours, Bronski Beat Rivoli Jack. Yeah, he was always better than Bronski Beat. They, mm. they were both great horses, you know. Um, 
Beverly Jack was just something special. He, you know, he was lame all his life. He, he he won the first two-year-old race at Kilmore, and then he went sore. And fortunately enough, the owners were good enough to say, "Well, we'll we'll give him 12 months off." And he went back to the owner's farm down at Bensdale for 12 months, and he brought him back on a cattle truck. And you've never seen such a skinny horse, but yeah. oh, he was a great horse. Yeah. What was actually wrong with his legs? I had suspensories. Yeah. Okay. Alistair, Alistair McLean looked after him, a wonderful vet from Werribee. Um, his daughter now is with uh, Chris Spinosio. Yep. And Alistair's still a great bloke, still involved in trotting. So there's a lot of old people still involved in it. and Unfortunately, there's not a real lot of young people getting involved in it. But at the trots on Saturday night, I sent a lot of young people there and all these kids with their ponies. So all looks to be going good for trotting in the future. Tat. Tell us, yeah. t- tell us, Rivley Jack, he was famous for not scoring up. And I went through and counted. He won 39 of 90 starts. And on 26 occasions, he failed to score up properly where he galloped out or he broke in the score up or he was raced roughly in score up. What was the key? What was the, what was the story with him not scoring up? Did he just not like doing it? He was so lame. That was the problem. His legs were so sore, the poor fellow. You know, that yeah. was it. I mean, you know. He, he he only run on adrenaline, you know, and uh, he used to, when he was scoring up, he'd start twishing his tail and then he'd start kicking and then he'd stop pacing. And Gavin sort of had the key to him pretty well there. He, he had him go, he, he, he got him score up most of the times, you know. So, Brian Gaff took him to Queensland and he, he, he took him on his own. I was away overseas at the time and he said he took him out on the track for five races before to try to settle him down to, but uh, he won that Clive Ewer Championship, won it easily. Yep. Uh, you know, the horses have improved so much. They they wouldn't win today, those horses, back in those days, because the breed's got so good and so fast and that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, you're not compared to... But they're, they're a good horse is a good horse. I, moving forward now, I have plenty Parker's horses, and I've had Major Moth here since he was eight months old. And I knew from when I first put the hobbles on him, you know, you can feel that they're good when you sort of give them a click up. They'll they'll jump from underneath you. A good horse and a good horse is always a good horse. And I'll get I'll get to another association uh, shortly. Nineteen eighty eight, Rivoli Jack won the Kilmore Cup and and a Cranbourne Cup as well. He, can you remember winning the Cranbourne Cup, particularly in eighty eight, with it coming up on Saturday night? Yes, I can remember winning it well, and uh, I think he beat my Lightning Blue that day. Correct. Yeah. So um, the week the week previously there was stall, the stall cup was on and I said to Gavin, oh you're better off driving Bronski beat this week and I'll drive Rivoli Jack. Yeah, yeah. Rivoli Jack wasn't quite fit and Bronski beat won the stall cup, but I said to him the next week I said you're better off driving Rivoli Jack in the Fillmore Cup. And he won one by half a lap. He just went past all those good horses like they were tied to the fence. It, it's that a was ma- one of Gavin's drives. I said I said to Gavin, you don't want to. When I, when we used to back them, my favourite saying to Gavin was, "Don't get beat flying home on it." He was, he was a devil to go three back on the fence and wait for the last minute. But uh, sometimes, if he knew we backed him, he, he, he'd drive him good. He's still the best driver. Did you know, he, some of these young blokes coming on now are great, and they're probably following in his footsteps. And James Herbertson's a wonderful young driver, and Sugars and Puppet and Alfred too. But I think James Herbertson's the one of the future. He, he knows the form well and. He, he drives the horses their ability. It's a pleasure to watch James Herbertson drive. Yeah, he's a great kid too. 
Yeah, yeah, amazing how the Stall Cup was one week and then the next. I was going to ask you this about Bronski Beat won the Stall Cup and then Riverley Jack won the won the Cranbourne Cup a week later and it still happened. The Stall was run last weekend and Cranbourne this weekend. It's funny how some things don't seem to change. No, some things don't change. No, yeah. no, but, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had some other good horses as well, like uh, Vaught won a Tassie Pacing Championship, Parading won a Mildura Cup, but. There was a little mare come along called Larrakia Lady, and I suppose her racing record, you'd say she wasn't the best horse she ever trained. She she had 56 starts, 11 wins, 13 placings. She won a four-year-old size, but she was a beautiful mare. This was early 90s, we're talking. Yeah, she's the grandmother of all Peter Gleason's champion horses. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah no, we done a, we had we had her on lease, and... Uh, she was on loose till the five-year-old, and at the end of the four-year-old season, I said, "Oh, she's probably done enough. Well, we won't keep racing her. She can go home and have babies." And yeah, sure enough, safe and sound come along, and she, you know she's left all those great horses. Fifteen foals she had for nine winners that totaled 183 wins, and safe and sound, safeguard, Masarua, Gold Rocket. Just to name a few, the good times. And as you said, Peter Gleeson, there were six fillies of those 15. And it's just bred on a dynasty from Larrakia Lady. And, and you've had a, an involvement with all of them on the way through, basically. Yeah, we broke most of those horses, all those horses in. And, uh, you know, um, uh, we got one running tonight out from the same breed by Captain Treacherous. And he's a lovely colt. He's in the uh, size stakes tonight at Shepparton. Yeah. So, you, so uh, your association with Peter, you've obviously become pretty good friends, I'd say. Oh, yeah. From, from well, Peter worked for Darkie Wilson. That's where he got his learning knowledge of the horses. And uh, I used to call Darkie Wilson Uncle Dave. He was good friends of mine. And uh, he was a wonderful driver. And he was the one that taught, taught everyone that the rails was the shortest way home. So, yeah. 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 And they still are. And. Mm. Tonight, you're training a horse still uh, in your own name, uh, your betcher or a racehorse. Uh, tell us a little bit about your betcher. He's in tonight at Shep as well, race one, number nine. Yeah, well, you betcher belongs to Stephen Duffy, and uh, I'm friends with Stephen and his wife, Julie, and uh, you betcher was spelling here, and Stephen said, oh, can you jog him up for me? And anyway, I'd been jogging him up, and I said, oh, he said, oh, I've got too many horses, you might as well race him, so... That's the, it's really it's Stephen's horse, and I take him to his track to train him. He's only up the road from me, and uh, so he's really under trained the way Stephen trains them. So um, we had a bit of luck with him there a few weeks ago. He'd been working pretty well, and uh, uh, young Kevin Wiedenback drove a good race on him, and he won at Bendigo there a few weeks ago. And like the olden days, we had a bit of a plunge on him, so that was great. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because. His win previous was in a 56 to 61. He got into an up to 52 at Bendigo, which uh, on face value, that sounds uh, pretty winnable to a horse of his ability. He was third up and uh, he was pretty heavily supported. So uh, you might have got a dollar or two back off those bookies again. Yeah, we've got a new spa bath and a new kitchen out of that. So so that was good. My partner, Gail Whitehead, who um, breaks in all the horses with me, um, She's been a wonderful horse rider in the time. She, she won a Gary Owen and uh, come set, won an Esquire, and she's a great horse rider. And she does most of the work with the youngins until they go into the sulky, actually. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah so she, she sort of 
breaks them into what, like the saddle and all of that, no different to she would if she was breaking one in to ride, I suppose. Yeah, it's very similar. We ride all the horses. Now, even though I'm coming 70 years old, we both still ride the horses. Seem to get better mouths on them when you ride them and that sort of thing. But we don't have that many. We only have, have four or five at a time, mainly Peter's ones. And sometimes if Clayton has a bit of trouble with them, he might send them home to us to give him a bit of work and straighten them out. So, no, Clayton and Emma are great. Everyone's great. I mean, I enjoy going to the trots. I mean, when, you've been, when you think back, you know, I'm coming 70 years old and I've been going there since I've been five years old. So <laughs> yeah. I had a bit of a break from the trots. It was actually um, when Vinnie Knight had the accident. Um, I sold my farm at Tool and Vale and went around Australia for a year. Yeah. And uh, went and worked for the government in child protection. That's how come you haven't seen any of... JJ McLean because uh, I, I worked in the government for like twenty eight years. Yeah, okay. So was yeah was that triggered by the loss of Vinny? Was you were you that was, close to Vinny? It, it, it was actually because he worked so hard and as I said earlier, to be successful, you have to work seven days a week and yeah, twenty four hours a day. And at the end of the day, life's too short. And uh, I don't regret my life. I've had a wonderful life. Yeah, so. Just a bit of history to some of these trotting people. They've got to remember to take a break. Yeah, I, I don't think we do that side of it very well, John. And we haven't learned our lesson either over time. It's seven days a week constantly. I think during COVID, actually, we got taught something during COVID when they had regional racing. Some drivers had to have some time off. And yeah, it hurt a few of their bank accounts. But I think in the long run, it would have been beneficial to them. And I don't think we took that lesson very well, actually. I know we've gone off, off topic a bit, but whether we no, could... No, but it'd be a, look, it's a wonderful topic to bring up. I mean, here it is yeah. there. Greg Sugars won the Inter-Dominion on Saturday night. He's mucking out. Uh, Sunday, can't, can't get any workers to do the work. So, you know, him and his wife are out cleaning out the stables. The horses have got to be fed and watered. And um, But that's the family industry we're in, I suppose. And it, uh, it's the poorer sport. But hopefully it's moving forward and there'll be a bit more prize money for all these people and make everyone happy. 100%, John. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, he was a great horse, Rivoli Jack. He had a lot of other good horses through that period of time as well. A lot, a lot of very good horses and uh, some great memories and there'll be some memories flooding back for some people as well. So uh, best of luck tonight and, and stick by and uh, keep breaking horses in as well. You better tell the battlers on the radio that you bet you've got a good chance tonight. You've got a good chance tonight. Race one, number nine. Uh, it's currently $18. What what price do you reckon he'll, he'll finish up, John? If he's, uh, I'll just check. Oh, pro- probably about five. He's in at 8 50 Yeah, probably fives to four to fives. He'll finish up. But uh, he's got a good chance tonight if he has a bit of luck. Yeah, open today, $9 in at $8.50. And uh, I think by the back of that, uh, we'll be watching race one tonight at Shepparton very closely, number nine. Good on you, John. Thanks for coming on, mate. Good boy. Shut up. There's John McLean with Riverlee. Of Riverlee Jack fame, there is his most famous horse, I suppose. But as I mentioned, so, so many good horses. Uh, and he was a real uh, part of the industry week in, week out at Mooney Valley, right through the... Uh, 80s and of course the showgrounds and, and Mooney Valley through the 70s and uh, I've loved going back on some of these chats. We did a number of these for the Inter Dominion and actually was chatting briefly with Russell Jack the other day and, and he suggested 
you got to do more of these chats. They're so good. So when I was thinking about that, I thought, well, let's find a couple of past winners of the Cranbourne Cup and we'll get them on for a chat. And there you go, John McLean, one of those, and just back in the sport again as a trainer in his own right. And, of course, breaking horses in major moths for the, all the parkers. Those moth, that moth family's been outstanding. And all of Peter Gleeson's good horses over the last few years, he's seen a lot, a lot, a lot of good horse flesh over the past, uh, well, past 55 years. Drove his first winner 55 years ago at the age of 14. That's almost hard to believe. Let's take a break. We've still got one more guest for today in the X-Man, Tony Ziria. But uh, just the other side of this, we might recap a couple of tips and have a look at the uh, Cranbourne Cup field, which uh, did drop at 11.30. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back. Toby McKinnon in the host chair. Cranbourne Cup, Saturday night. The fields have dropped. He's ideal draws gate one. will be terribly hard to beat. Bulletproof boy final gets a great barrier draw two. Firefox, major, major Meister for Jason Grimson, pair three and four. Rick Riley, AG's White Sox for Jess Tubbs having its first run for Jess. Bun Doran from gate seven. Then Jillaby Sylvester inside second row draw is a great chance. A great chance of running at least a placing. Torrid Saint who draws nine. Then like a wildfire, Macdan Rock and Roll do. So Torrid Saint is a real live chance of taking out the Trots Country Cups Championship. He's three points off Demon Delight. Uh, so if he runs second on Saturday night, he would level up with Demon Delight. But he'll have only had one win, so I'm not sure if it goes back to a countback or not, or whether they just split the prize. 20000 to the winning owner, fifteen to the winning trainer. If he wins, Torrid Saint, he will be the winner. So the Country Cup at Cranbourne, $100,000 race, has another 35000 riding on it for Torrid Saint, who comes off the back of a second in an Inter-Dominion final. be a huge effort if he could get back and win a Cranbourne Cup this week. In the Trotters... Uh, the field there is, it's interesting, preferential barrier draw NR, but uh, we won't go into that today. Uh, number of key chances in it. Travel bug goes around in it. Now, he is actually a chance of levelling up with Have Horse Will Travel. If Have Horse Will Travel runs, which he's in the field, number 10, assuming all being well, fingers crossed, AP Gath, he'll go to 25 points. Travel bug will be on 20 points going in. So he'd have to win Travel bug to tie things up. But if he did, that would give him three wins for the year. Again, I'm not sure if it goes back to a count back or not. Uh, but the the pair of those have also travelled nine starts this year, one win, five seconds, and a third in the in the Mary's Idol Championship. It'd be great. Uh, it's going to be a great race. That Sleepy from Gate Seven, O Fortuna Gate Six. They're backing up off into the Minion Finals. Nephew of Sunoco off the second row. Hopeful Beauty inside second row off the stable. Make all cashed ups back. Who draws one? Have Horse will travel. Majestuoso goes into the race. And Sundon's Courage. Great Cranbourne Trotters Cup. Group one, $50,000 race. I think Andy Gatt's opinion is they probably should be random barrier draws when they're 
uh, Group One races, and it's I find it hard to find an argument uh, with against Andy on that. If they're Group One, fifty thousand. If they're our top horses, uh, I can't see why they're not random barrier draws. Uh, once you get into that top group of horses, you're in there, and they all should be considered equal. I would have thought. That's a uh, story for another day anyway. R- first nine races, first at 6.24, I will be there uh, in my role as photo finish operator on Saturday night. Let's now take a break and we'll come back with another story from a Cranbourne Cup. One probably a bit different to John McLean. He had such great success, John McLean, over so many years who we caught up with earlier. This one's... Tony Ziri and what is undoubtedly his greatest win, I think. Anyway, Tony might tell me otherwise, but it's certainly his only group winner. He's won a number of listed races, but his only group winner was the Cranbourne Cup back in 2002 with an 11-year-old at over 50 to 1 in all for one. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. No Jason Bonington today, just Toby McKinnon in the chair as he has a week off. And our next guest is Tony Ziria, a very popular man in harness racing. X-Man, firstly, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Sorry, mate, I've just lost you for a second. What was that, sorry? You're all right. Firstly, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, yeah, I'm really well and um, I'm, I'm at home at the moment. Now, uh, I'm going to ask about really well, like uh, it was pretty well publicised. You went through a battle with prostate cancer last year. Whereabouts are you at with that, mate? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been clear now for uh, about six months. I've, so um, I've got to have another blood test this month, but so far, so good. We get, looking good. We go to the trots and race for prize money against each other, but... Oh, the chips, when the chips are down, though, and I know Anne-Marie Conroy set something up for you, a GoFundMe page, and we really uh, combine together as an industry, don't we, when we have to? Yeah, yeah. I've actually, um, I really, um, really appreciated what Anne-Marie and um, Denise had done for me. They, um, they set everything up and made sure that everything was organised properly. So, um, yeah, I was really appreciative of what they, what they'd done for me. Now, the next bit's going to be a bit more enjoyable, I think, because we'll talk about the Cranberg Cup in 2002, and there's such a backstory to this that we'll have to get through as well, mate. Uh, all for one, he was he was born on the 7th of November in, in 1990. It seems so long ago now when he was born. He had 270 starts for 36 wins and 70 placings, and he had a, 11 trainers across the journey. Uh, before he came to you, he was he was trained by a bloke who I reckon might have gone on a bit since by the name of Andrew Patrick Gath. Uh, Noel Alexander and Jane Davies had him, and that's where he was at with you. Like, this horse, he won a claiming race two years prior, <laughs> would you believe? Yeah. And, and in the year 2002, he ends up winning a Cranberg Cup. So take us through why did you get to claim all for one and take us through how that all came about. I trained a few horses for a, a guy called Sam Godino and um, I had a trotter of his. I'd never met Sam before prior to this and um, yeah. I thought I'd better give this guy a ring and let him know that his horse is going to race at Mooney Valley and um, I, I managed to find his phone number and I gave him a ring and said that, uh, 
he was going to have his first start for me at uh, Moody Valley. This was a, a trotter that he had. Yeah. And um, he said, uh, how do you think he'll go? I said, I think he'll win. And he said, ah, oh, rubbish. If that horse wins, I'll buy you any course out of the claimers that you like. So <laughs> yeah. um, he got up and won that his first start for me. And um, who, who then was, we ended up buying uh, who, who was the horse? for one. Who was the horse? Um, I can't even remember his name now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up winning a couple in town with him. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. All right, I'll have to do some research uh, and find out who that horse was. Now, yeah. so you went to you went to Mooney Valley and you claimed him on the 25th of November 2000 and then oh, only, what's that, eight, 20-odd, uh, 15 days later or something, you put him in a Shepparton Cup. He was 183 to 1 in a Shepparton Cup first up for you over the 27-10-metre standing star conditions and he ran third, mate. Yeah, yeah, he missed the start a little bit too, but yeah. uh, he, um, I was pretty excited. I've got to admit, Sam was pretty excited too because um, we didn't expect him to go that well. But uh, he was a terrific old horse. Everyone that had him won, had a lot of fun with him and um, won a lot of races with him. He won as a two-year-old all the way through till he was 13. He was still winning races, so yeah. he was a terrific old horse. That is unbelievable, isn't it? That he won races yeah. every year across 11 years and had 11 different trainers throughout that time as well. Uh, yeah. So then he battles away. You go around. You're running him around in, in claiming races sometimes, in free-for-all sometimes, but and in, and in some stand starts as well. And I think that's really where he probably was best in stand start racing. Oh, no, no. No, <laughs> he, was he wasn't. Dicey. No, he was no. He was a bit dicey in the stand. He was a brilliant mobile horse. And yeah, he could okay. usually lead from anywhere off the front. But uh, he won the Cranbourne Cup and knocked two and a half seconds off the track record. And that particular day that he stepped away like an absolute rocket yeah. in the Cranbourne Cup. But um, generally, mobiles were his day. He really wasn't great at stand horse. Yeah, so you did win a race at Cranbourne prior to the Cranbourne Cup as well. So he had a bit of an affinity with him there initially at Cranbourne. But yeah, he, yeah. he stepped away. B Gath drove him on the night. We, was that a, a um, enforced decision or was that a... Uh, a, a no, dis- I was actually in... Uh, I was. I had another horse that I got out of the claim. It's called Gobermoosh running in the Inter-Dominion in Sydney. So oh, yeah. I was in Sydney with Gobermoosh and uh, my brother Andrew... Uh, who worked for me at the time, Tony Trimboli and my son, Joel. They all been down for Cranbourne for the night and uh, Brian drove him that night. So you watched it from Sydney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stayed in Sydney because I'd only just got there the night before. So you know, I stayed in Sydney to run Gobermoose in the in the heats, the series up there. It, it was a masterful drive from the little master to be, as you said, he, he absolutely pinged away. That's why I thought he was such a good stand start. Also, watch the replay and hand it up, hand it up to the favourite, Jonelle's son, Daryl Douglas, come around three wide and, and you were just too strong in the straight, mate. And as you say, in, in record time, 2-1.8 at the time. Yeah, yeah. He was a terrific old horse. Like, um, Brian absolutely loved him. So, uh, Brian, took, I'd say Brian drove him probably 50 50 to 60 percent of the time. Yep, Brian absolutely loved him. So he, when Brian was going so well, I mean, might as well keep Brian on him. I reckon. 
Yeah, there was a little irony in the fact that Andy Gath ran third with Go Charles, who'd had all for one previously for a long period of time, and Jane Davies ran fourth on Diamond Trinity in the race, mate, who also had the horse who you claimed yeah. it, claimed yeah. it off. So <laughs> it would have been a bit bitter for those two watching you beat them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he went terrific that night. He really did. I was really happy with him. And uh, the following year, Brian Gath hadn't won it for 20 years, and uh, Brian was pretty excited on, on winning as well. Oh, and then the following year, um, I had another another nice uh, horse in the race, and uh, Brian beat me by a short half head. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, there um, you go. Who who was that horse? Yeah, uh, Living Angel. Oh, yep, yep, yep. You had yep. a you had a lot of good horses then, didn't you? You're flying at that stage. Yeah, yeah. We're getting most of them out of the claimers too. So um, we we had, I've got to admit we were having a lot of fun at the time. What was the secret to success, getting them out of the claimers? Uh, most of them had niggly problems mm. um, when we first picked them up, so we'd go right over them and uh, fix whatever we could, and um, away we'd go. 12th of October 2002, you took all for one to Mooney Valley and uh, it was in a claimer, and, and I'm sure you, you don't begrudge anyone claiming him off you because that's how those things work. You actually had a couple, and you had Prince of Ruin in it as well, but... He was claimed off you all for one, and it must have been a little bit a uh, tinge of sadness when he left the stable. Yeah, I've got to admit it was. I um, he he was I think a twelve year old at the time, and um, yeah, it was getting pretty late in his career, so he ended up taking the claimers. And um, I've got to admit it was a bit sad when he went. Yeah, still your greatest win was it that Cranbourne Cup, or is there something else that stands out to you? Um. He won a few cups all for one, and uh, he, he held a few track records at the time. So, I um, yeah, that that had to be one of the one of the better ones. Yeah, hundred percent. You you won a uh, village saint, won a lumbo, and repaid in gold. Won a winter championship final. Gober Moose, of course, was a good horse. He won some good races. Bo Adam, of course, won a uh, a race at Warrigal worth twenty thousand. What race would that have been? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I know Bo Adam like he was a lovely. Little horse. I had him as a young horse, and um, the oh. owners took him off me, and we actually bought him back in the claimers. It wasn't at Warrigal. It was the Warrigal Battle of the Claimers final at at, uh, yeah. at Mooney Valley. That's what it was. Yeah, he did win that at Mooney Valley. Yeah, he said three wide the trip there. He did too. Three wide early, three yeah. wide middle. I won't say who drove him three wide the trip. We'll just uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, let, we'll let that go, Tone. <laughs> yeah. Well, he won. That's all that matters. You're not going to be there on Saturday night at Cranbourne. Um, not this Saturday night, no. No. Well, well next actually, week. Um, yeah, go. I've got a Christmas party on this year. This year, so I won't be there this week. Ah, uh, well, you'll have to watch the race. It'll bring back great memories. And uh, the Stand Start Country Cups are going to open up that uh, can of worms, but it just enabled a few horses like him to beat the better horses around at the time. It just seemed to even those races up a little bit and. They were they were great races back then and, and great memories of all for one as an eleven year old winning a Cranbourne Cup in record time. Unbelievable really. Yeah, yeah. He was a terrific old horse. I thought it was any any better than him at the time anyway. Good on you, Tone. Catch up soon, mate. No worries. Thanks very much, mate. There's Tony Zeria who and the best news of all of that's going well after he's his big scare last year and, and what the industry did getting around him was just a beautiful thing. And it's not unusual either. That, that happens 
whenever these things happen, and a great, very popular man in harness racing, the X-Man as he is known. Let's take our final break for the two hours of Trot's Life. Uh, Cam Luke and Campbell Brown are champing at the bit somewhere as they're going to bring a big afternoon of trackside from one o'clock. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Toby McKinnon with you for the rest of the week. I will be back tomorrow, of course, Wednesday with Wombat. Might be live. I'll be live from Geelong as I've got a judge in the afternoon. There's a couple of balls in the air there. But uh, I'm going to pre-record some stuff. I'll make no secret of that. Uh, I've tracked down uh, the owner of Shadow Play, uh, the owner of Blue Chip Farms. I'm going to give him a ring uh, this afternoon and see if I can... Uh, catch up with Tom and uh, we can bring you that chat tomorrow as Shadow Play quite amazingly siring the Quinella of the Inter-Dominion final. He was sort of not, he was well taken to when he was here in Australia, but not, uh, people didn't fall in love with him, I suppose. He wasn't uh, overly popular and we don't have him coming out, shuttling out to Australia anymore, but I wonder if that's going to change. It might be breaking news tomorrow. Shadow plays returning to Australia off the back of I Cast No Shadow and Torrid Saint, both being by Shadow Play. And off the top of my head, I know Shadow Sacks was a very, very good horse. We never saw the best of Shadow Sacks, I'm sure of that. Uh, as he battled injury, he was a Shadow Play as well. And a lot of, a lot of, very, uh, a lot of uh, other very good horses by Shadow Play. So we'll catch, I'm, I'm planning, I'm hoping... Catch up with Tom, the owner of Blue Chip Farms, which is arguably the biggest stud in the world, I suppose. They, they do about a 1,000 foals a year. And, of course, uh, they've got a side there by the name of Better's Delight, who uh, some people might have heard of Better's Delight. Maybe maybe you've heard of Better's Delight. The boys are here. They're, they're champing at the bit here. Cam Luke is here. Campbell Brown. Uh, John Donahoe is also out there. Not sure if he's on this afternoon or not. Uh so tomorrow, yep, yeah, might be able to play you the Blue Chip Farms chat. Uh, I've got Andy Gray lined up as well for a chat from Mount Gambier. He's a very funny man, Andy Gray, so it could be uh, could go anywhere. That discussion with Andy, he's got a horse in at Mount Gambier tomorrow night, and uh, we might dig out a few more stories from Cranbourne on Saturday night. I'll have a look at uh, the participants there that have horses running. Of course, Garrick Knight will be on tomorrow. I've pre-recorded a new intro for Garrick Knight. Uh, I'll tell you it's some of my best work, but it's probably not. But uh, I've recorded it. It's ready to go. Garrick Knight intro. Um, Yeah, which will create a bit of a laugh anyway. That's what it's about with Garrick. One, having a laugh. And two, uh, having a look at uh, Kiwi runners um, from... From uh, from New Zealand that are first up in Australia. Uh, yeah, that is a wrap. Then Thursday, we'll really turn our focus to Cranbourne. Tim O'Connor should be joining me. I think he's uh, he's still on deck. Written a great story uh, about uh, the Cups on Sunday that I saw uh, from Stall, both uh, with Jackie Barker winning with Arch Leo and also uh, David Lewis winning with Kowalski Analysis. If you haven't seen that, make sure you grab that. It's a great, great bit of work by uh, Tim, Tim O'Connor in, co- in collaboration with uh, my efforts on Trot's Vision. So, of course, if he's uh, promoting what I've done, I'm going to promote him, uh, scratching each other's back. Hopefully you caught up on our tips and you can uh, get a winner 
Paddo's been uh, podcasting things out at a rate of knots today, so nearly all the podcasts are out. Uh, so you should be able to grab them and get hold of them. See, Sean Daly's just tweeted his out. Uh, it was great to catch up with Sean and all our guests today. Sean Daly, Brad Walters, uh, Johnny McLean, and also Tony x Men Zeria. Have a great afternoon. Back some winners. Best of luck. Speak to you tomorrow.